Sometimes we can't easily understand a passage of Scripture. If this has happened to you, have you ever tried reading the Bible out loud? Well, today I want to talk to you specifically about the benefits of reading the Bible out loud and how much of an impact it can have on your understanding of the Bible. Welcome to episode number 56 of the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Kevin Morris here, as always. Glad to have you alongside me. How are things going with everyone? I know that life is starting to look a lot different for us, depending on what state we live in, what country we live in, this coronavirus pandemic. And the time of this recording is starting to kind of take different shapes in different places. Some places are starting to open back up. Some places are certainly not in that place. So I would presume that people listening to this, you could either still be on lockdown or you could be seeing light at the end of the tunnel. So regardless of how you find yourself as you listen to this, just want to say it means the world to me that you've decided to join me once again for another episode on the podcast. I promise that it will be valuable to you because we're handling a often overlooked method of reading the Bible. Yes, I'm talking about reading the Bible out loud. When is the last time that you've actually read the Bible out loud besides in a Sunday school class or if you're part of a church that does scripture readings during the service and you are one of those who reads those particular passages? Besides those instances, when is the last time you've actually read the Bible out loud? Well, a lot of people don't do that. In fact, you're listening to this podcast episode as a category of learning that has to do with listening. And then when you finish listening to this podcast, and hopefully with a lot of uh, initiative and a lot of ambition to leave this session that we're in and go read your Bible. That's what I'm trying to help you do, better Bible reading. Uh, Hopefully, you're doing that. But whenever you do that, our mind kind of shifts to a silent exercise. And while that's good, because we want to eliminate distractions, we want to kind of cut through the noise, well, sometimes it's actually good to make a little bit of noise. It's good to capture the essence of emphasis when it comes to reading the Bible. Let's do a quick little exercise. How would you pronounce if you were to have if you were to look on a page and you saw a sentence that said this, what you say and how you say it? Well, that might be the right way to say that sentence or maybe this is the right way. What you say and how you say it. Or maybe it's this, what you say and how you say it. Or maybe it's this, what you say and how you say it. Or finally, maybe it's something different altogether. Maybe it's this, what you say and how you say it. Now, the benefit of saying that sentence out loud is that you can really catch the emphasis Notice that I made emphasis on a different word, and that emphasis really drives the point of the meaning of the sentence, 
Are we concerned with what we say? Are we concerned with what you say? Are we concerned with what you say? Or are we concerned with what you say and how you say it? Or are we concerned with what you say and how you say it? You see, it's the same words each and every time, but an emphasis given to one word in the sentence over another word changes the thrust. It changes the argument. It changes the point. And this is especially true when it comes to reading the Bible. And all those varieties, all those different sentences, the meaning might not be so straightforward until you hear the sentence. You could read something a million times, but sometimes just the simple exercise of reading it out loud suddenly clues us in to the meaning and gives us better clarity as we read. Now, maybe you agree with me so far, but maybe you're just incredibly new to this idea of reading out loud, especially reading the Bible out loud. So, first, I want to establish this concept to you that it is not just this fun revolutionary method or something that people used to do all the time and suddenly we've stopped doing it, so I'm trying to reawaken you to it. Well, instead of both of those options, I want to show you that this idea is actually found within the Bible itself. Here's an example from the first part of the final book in the Bible, which is, of course, the book of Revelation, perhaps the most controversial and confusing book of all the books in the Bible. And it turns out that there is actually an interesting blessing hidden in plain sight for readers of the book of Revelation. Here's what it says in verse number three, the very first chapter of Revelation. It says this, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Well, this is quite an amazing promise given to anyone who would embark on the treacherous journey of trying to understand the Bible, especially a book like Revelation, which is seen as so confusing to readers. But there it is, right there in plain sight, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Now, I don't think there's any reason to argue that this verse is discouraging us from reading silently to ourselves as if the blessing doesn't count unless we read out loud. But at the very least, this book gives a wonderful incentive for us to think and practice reading the Bible out loud. And this applies not only to the book of Revelation, but to any book of the Bible. One thing that we fail to remember when we approach our Bibles and try to start reading them is that the Bible is not one of those books that we're supposed to move beyond. The very best books, if you're a reader of any sort, The very best books might capture your interest enough to come around a second time or maybe even a third time and reread them. But the Bible is different because the Bible is a repeatable process, one like the cycle of life that continues again and again and again. And because of this, we're actually at a disadvantage because when you look at it from two angles, first, We don't approach the Bible as a 
repeatable process. We kind of approach it as a one and done or a it's there for reference if I need it, but I'm not always engaged with it day after day. That's our first mistake, that we don't have a consistency, a constant interaction with the Bible. The other mistake is that maybe we do have a constant interaction with the Bible, but because of that, our reading becomes very vanilla, becomes very superficial, and our eyes may travel across familiar sentences, familiar paragraphs, familiar books of the Bible, but reading comprehension and analysis can quickly become passive because we're not interacting with the text how we should. We actually become complacent because it's almost too familiar to us. I wonder if verses like John 3.16 capture in our hearts the same wonder that those verses did the first time we ever read them, or the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Does that grip your heart the same way that it did the first time that you ever read that passage? Or Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Does the meaning mean as much to you as it did the first time you read it? Well, chances are that you have become passive. You've become too relaxed, too passive in your interaction with the Bible. And the antidote to that, one of several, is reading the Bible out loud. Now, some of you might have a favorite movie. If you're not a book reader, you might have a favorite movie that you can literally quote from beginning to end because of how many times you have seen it. Certain scenes in a favorite thriller movie, for example, might have scared you the first time you ever saw the movie, and then maybe even the second or third time. But the more you watch the movie, you're no longer as afraid because you're anticipating the scene before it ever happens. Well, you might like the movie, but this actually makes for a more passive watching experience because you know everything that's happening before it ever does. It's very, very familiar to you. In other words, you don't experience that raw emphasis of every scene the same way you did the first time you ever watched the movie. And again, this idea applies to Bible reading. We come to familiar passages, we skim across them, we lose the initial edge that came to us the first time we read the text. Well, how can reading the Bible out loud help us? Well, it's this. When we read the Bible out loud, we literally have no choice but to emphasize what we say. When we process the pronunciation of words, when we process how to articulate the sentences in spoken form as opposed to just reading, we consider not only what we say, but how we say it. And we've come back full circle to that first sentence that I posed to you at the beginning of this episode. What you say and how you say it. Turns out that when it comes to reading the Bible out loud, emphasis is everything. And at this point, we actually have a dilemma. 
because, as you probably know, the Bible does not use italics. You open up a Microsoft Word document, or you're reading a blog, hopefully one that I've written, but maybe somebody else's blog, and you have a great advantage because in our modern English way of communication, we have that wonderful tool where we can italicize words. And what does that do? It gives a key. It gives literally a glaring pronouncement. This is supposed to be emphasized. This is a point of emphasis. You hit that italics, you can emphasize the word just like that, and anybody that reads what you say knows you're making an emphasis because there are the italics right there. Well, the Bible doesn't give us italics. We must determine where to emphasize by studying the context of any given sentence. And this is actually a big problem because depending on what our presupposition is about the Bible is going to determine where we go from here. You can either hear what I just said as good news, or you can hear what I just said as a big issue. For example, if the Bible is God's word, but it's a blank slate for us to create meaning as it relates to our lives, we not only have the gift of application, but we actually have the gift of interpretation, then the Bible turns into a wax clump that we can design and decorate and shape to any of our desires and goals that we have. Sadly, that is the approach that many people have in our day and age, but that is not what the Bible is. The Bible is God's word is the Bible is God's revelation to us. The Bible is objective. It's truth. We do not make it truth. We do not improve upon it. It is what it is, and it is truth. So this becomes especially serious for us when we think about it. What we're trying to do when we're determining where the emphasis is supposed to be, I can't stress enough that we do this not by our own desires. We do this not by what we want the Bible to say, or what we want it to mean, but by studying the context. What point is God making to us according to the context? What point is the Apostle Paul trying to make according to the context of the letter in Romans? What is the point that John is trying to make to us in his gospel? Well, here's an interesting example of this. John 3.16, I mentioned this verse earlier, one of the most known, probably the most known verse in America, in evangelicalism, the most popular passage. It's at every football game behind the goalpost. Somebody's got it on a sign with a cardboard and Sharpie marker written, John 3.16. What does the verse say? Well, you know what it says. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Well, that's what it says, but does it matter how we say it? Does it matter what it actually means? And what is the point of emphasis that the Apostle John is giving when he pins John 3.16? Let's revisit that first exercise, and let's try to decide what exactly is the meaning given 
in John 3.16. Let's say the verse four different times, and I'm going to put a point of emphasis on four different words every time that I say it. First example, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Does John want us to understand, is the emphasis that Jesus is God's only son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son? Maybe. Or, here's the next one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Is the point of emphasis on God's love? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Maybe. Here's a third option. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Is the point not just that Jesus is God's only son, not just that God loved the world, but how God demonstrated that love that he gave his only son. Or maybe it's the fourth option. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So now I ask to you, which one is it? Or is it none of these and something entirely different? Well, the issue isn't so much of which one is wrong. The issue is which emphasis is best and which one fits the context the most. Now, it's not wrong for any of those to suggest that a big point of emphasis is that Jesus is God's only Son. That's certainly true, biblically speaking. The emphasis being on God's love, that is certainly true. The emphasis that he gave, the idea of grace, the idea of a a gracious gesture to a rebellious people, or the freeness, the the free offer of it, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Well, all of those are biblically accurate. And so what we're not trying to do is change the meaning of the Bible, but we're trying to key in very much so with a razor-sharp focus and clarity on emphasis. Now, this is something that you can't do, or at least it's not something that you would ever think to do, generally speaking, when you're just reading the Bible in your standard way with the words on the page as your eyes pass across word after word, page after page. This really happens in a focused way when you read the Bible out loud. Now, I've noticed this, for example, almost by accident. Because I never really thought much about reading the Bible out loud, but it occurred to me one time when I went to a church service, I don't even remember what the passage was at this point, but the pastor got up and he read his sermon text before beginning to preach on it. And I I remember that it was a familiar passage to me, but as I listened to him read the sermon text, I suddenly came to the conclusion wow, that's a different point of emphasis than I've ever viewed that passage with. And same example as what we're seeing with John 3.16, you read it out loud, suddenly you're forced with your voice to make an emphasis 
in one place or another. And when you do that, it helps you as an investigator of the meaning of the text of Scripture that's in front of you to really concern yourself with context in a way that you might not otherwise concern yourself. This isn't something that only academics do. This isn't something that only teachers and preachers do, but this is something that anybody who's reading the Bible can and should do, but it really only happens when we take the time to read the Bible out loud. And I think this speaks to part of that promise of blessing that we see in the book of Revelation, that this blessing happens not only by reading the Bible out loud, but the blessing comes when we take the time to understand what Scripture is saying to us. And again, when you read the Bible out loud, you have a wonderful opportunity to concern yourself with the meaning, with the emphasis, with the application of it, in a way that just doesn't happen as often as it should, or maybe even at all, when we just sit down to read the Bible in our standard way. So what I'm suggesting to you is supplemental. I'm not suggesting that you approach the Bible from here on out by always reading out loud, because it turns out that we can actually read to ourselves much faster than we can read out loud. But it does say something about the attitude of concentration, the attitude of focus that many of us have lost in our fast-paced society. What do you think the early church did when there wasn't an opportunity to open their own scriptures and follow along with what was being said? Because that was almost a foreign idea. You went to the temple, or for the early church in the New Testament, you gathered together to hear the word preached, but you didn't have your own personal copy of God's word in your pocket or in your book bag to just open up and and have and then go home and read it whenever you wanted. You kind of had just that one special moment. It's almost like the days before DVR, the days before you could hit the rewind or pause or record button or have the internet to search for things when it came on TV. You wanted to catch the live show and if you were late, well, you just lost and missed that portion of the show. And when it was time for the show, everyone was quiet, everyone was paying attention, everyone was focusing because you didn't want to miss a single thing. All hands on deck. Everybody is paying attention to catch what's being said. Well, it was the same way in the time of the early church. You had to focus to what was being read and what was being preached because, again, you didn't have your own Bible to go back to later. Well, I think what happened during that time was that there was an incredible amount of concentration and focus given to understanding the meaning of God's Word that just doesn't happen in our information overload that we have today. We have at our grasp a Bible on our phones, a Bible on our computers, even if you don't have one downloaded There are hundreds and thousands of websites where you can just pull up the Bible almost at the blink of an eye, an unheard of technological innovation that we, frankly, don't take advantage of. 
I have right now sitting in my study behind me, probably at least 10 Bibles that I can literally just turn around and grab at a moment's notice. And still, for all the tools that I have, it turns out that one of the easiest and one of the most effective tools that I have at my disposal is simply picking up my Bible, turning away from all distractions, and just reading the passage out loud, letting it sink in, and thinking about those points of emphasis that can really open my eyes to the meaning and significance of a passage, whether it's John 3.16, whether it's in the book of Revelation, or if it's in the book of Deuteronomy. So it not only matters what you say, but how you say it, and this certainly applies to the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible out loud, start today and get ready to enjoy the great benefit of reading the Bible out loud. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Better Bible Reading Podcast. If this show is serving you, One of the most important and powerful things you can do to help me and to show your support is to go onto iTunes and leave a review. That is going to tell me how this show is resonating with you in your life, and it's also one of the quickest ways to promote the show so it is that more easily searchable and accessible to people that haven't found the show yet but are looking for something that I am offering, and that is how to read the Bible, better ways, more impact, less distraction. For the show notes of this episode, as well as all other episodes and more content, head over to betterbiblereading.com. Otherwise, I look forward to another episode with you real soon.